This week's episode of Enchanted Tiki Talk is brought to you by Kingdom Strollers, providing premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to Orlando area or Disney Resort free of charge. You choose the time of delivery and pickup and we do the rest. It couldn't be easier. Book your Kingdom Stroller rental today by visiting KingdomStrollers.com and Mickey Monthly, the Disney fans monthly subscription box. Visit them at MickeyMonthly.com. If you can't visit the parks, have the parks sent to you. And by MousePros.com. Let these Disney travel specialists help plan your next Disney vacation. MousePros.com offers free concierge service to help guide you every step of the way in planning your perfect Disney vacation. Let them sweat the details so you can focus on the fun. Visit MousePros.com for a free no-obligation quote. Ask for Tiki Bird Sean or any of our friendly agents. And now, on with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, no flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey, and welcome to Enchanted Tiki Talk. We are your hosts. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. I'm Matt. I'm Scott. And I'm Alan. So grab yourself a Dole Whip or a citrus roll, pull up a chair, and enjoy the show. Live from Old Key West in Walt Disney World, this is episode 185 for the week of May 7, 2017. This week, we are honored to have singer-songwriter Angie Kielhauer in the Tiki Hut. You may recognize Angie from season 10 of The Voice or from jamming to her latest EP, Wild, in your car. Angie's also lent her talents to the new nighttime show, Happily Ever After at Magic Kingdom. Welcome, Angie. Hi, happy to be here. Nah, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of course. We just wanted um, to start off with a little bit of your um, like background and history. Um, and um, you were born in El Salvador um, and moved to Georgia as a child. Uh, what was that, that culture change like for you at that age? You know, the culture itself... I never really felt super shocked by what shocked me when I moved when I was 11 was the safety, I guess, of the suburb that I moved to. Like, I remember how excited I was just to, like, bike to my neighborhood pool and back without any supervision. And it was, like, such a huge deal and so weird. And, like, I remember the first time my mom left the front door unlocked. It was weird. Like, little little things like that were very very different for sure as well as like i remember thinking like the toys here were way better (laughs) (laughs) any favorite toy that you had um i was really into batman when i was a kid nice Nice. and uh it was nice because it was nice living here because my mom we always spoke english at the house so that even though we spoke both languages, uh, so that you, my mom always just wanted us to be as really good at English, you know, because she wanted us to go to American college when we were older. So, um, but whenever we went to the movies in El Salvador, the movies were always in Spanish with like English subtitles. And that was just so annoying. So I remember coming to this <laughs> being like so happy that like I could go to a movie and it would just be in English, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. A little bit of so a culture little- change. Yeah, very different. Well, obviously, as you grew up in, in Georgia and then moved on to your your role in, in college and everything else, you ended up actually leaving college and took a job with Carnival Cruise Ship as a singer. Kind of talk about how you got into the, the singing to start with and, and, and where you decided to go that route and, and with the cruise. Yeah, so before 
before I was doing, uh, before I decided on cruise ships, I was going to school. Uh, I went to a tech school. I went to Georgia Tech, and then I was working at a salvage yard full time at the at, at the same time. Uh, a salvage yard, for any of your listeners that don't know, it's like where your car goes once it gets uh, totaled. Uh, it's really really fancy place to work. And uh, we take. I like you know. I always I've always liked cars a lot. I still do, but. Um, but obviously, it's not where my passion was. And and I remember um, there was this guy I work with, and he was just kind of he was kind of a little bit crazy. And all he liked to do was drive. And me and him, me and him, I was the only one that got along with him because I think I kind of understood him because I I kind of was crazy too. You know, all I ever cared about was music. And he was the one that really pushed me and kept telling me like, you gotta go, you gotta go get on a cruise ship and play music and. Uh, I remember when my car had broken down and I was biking to work and it started raining and I was miserable. It was like one of the most uncomfortable moments of my life. And I was just like, that's it. I'm going to get on a cruise ship. I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to happen. And it was like, I've had this feeling a couple of times in my life, but it was like this feeling, like it wasn't even like an if, and, or, but it was like, it's going to happen because I'm going to like move the earth to make it happen. So I just start emailing out, emailing out. And finally, I don't get responses, and finally somebody says, okay, well, maybe we'll pitch you someday. And I was like, okay, cool, thank you. And then I get a phone call months after that, and they're like, hey, somebody just quit on Carnival Cruise Lines. Can you come to Miami in two weeks? And I was like, I'm there. The semester just ended. I'm going to do this. And so, you know, I called my mom and told her I was giving up my scholarship at a nice engineering school to go work on a cruise ship. Wow. She totally thrilled you know how mom was, i was kidding yeah i was gonna say how did that conversation go probably not too well no i mean honestly my parents have always known that i'm just gonna do what i want to do like they raised me really well to know like right and wrong values like i mean i make mistakes but like for the most part i think anything good in terms of that is attributed to them um like i've never really gotten into like drinking anything like that but they always knew that I was very stubborn. And if I decided I was going to do something, there was just no one that was going to tell me not to, you know. And so my mom was not super thrilled, but she never once tried to tell me what to do because she knew that it probably wouldn't work out. That's and awesome. so, I, yeah. And so I went to the cruise ship and I, I showed up with like a duffel bag that had like duct tape on it. I didn't even have like a real suitcase. And I didn't even think there'd be more than one ship because I didn't even... I didn't even know what ship to get on. Like, I, I didn't know there'd be more than one. And so I tried to get on the wrong cruise line, which was really embarrassing. And every day I think like, man, they're going to figure out that I learned to play guitar on YouTube and kick me off this ship. <laughs> I had got a credit card to pay for a guitar because I had sold my guitar a few months before to pay for rent. And so my, my mind was like, I just need to make enough to pay back my guitar, get a little money in the bank. And that's just, that's my objective. That was my objective. And honestly, it's funny looking back on it because had I not been so uncomfortable, had I not been such a rough place right before that opportunity happened, I wouldn't have had you know, the fire under my ass to, to push through, you know, a lot of people quit after the first few weeks on cruise ships. And I might've considered it if I wasn't, you know, like needing to pay, pay back a bill, you know, right. it was, uh, it's weird looking back on it. Yeah. That's how they always say that if you do things without a backup plan, you know, it, it kind of forces you to do it and, uh, and see it through. So that's awesome. Yeah. And so that, 
that job actually uh, it helped you uh, fund your live album, which is really cool. I mean, it, it's always good when you know <laughs> that you hear a singer sing <laughs> without the whole <laughs> with the band and the production and everything. So, what was it like to make that the live album and fund it yourself and try and push it out there? Uh, the the live album. So, the first album I came out with. I would have never done except for a friend of mine back from high school needed to raise surgery for a really needed surgery. And I've always, you know, I, I honestly, if this, if she hadn't needed that, I might've never even put out original music. Cause at the time I had just kind of gotten my confidence just to like really think I was good enough to like command attention on stage. And you've got to have that confidence in order to do that, you know? And I just kind of started gaining that. So, so then jumping into like actually really playing and talking about my original songs on stage, that was something I was still developing, you know, trying to decide, think my songs were actually good enough. And then a friend of mine needed this surgery and I was like, you know what, I'm going to release some songs and then sell them to my friends and see if I can make a fundraiser out of it. And I think we raised, we did it in two months and we raised like $1,800. It's really good. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it was just kind of like me sitting down in front of a microphone and playing songs. And it was live. And to this day, you know, a lot of people tell me that that's some of the best stuff they've ever heard me do, which is amazing to me because I spent a lot more money on the, on the new stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it always reminds me that, like, sometimes when you're just speaking your truth and being right. honest, you just don't need any bells and whistles. You know, that's what right. that at the end of the day, if you can't hear that through whatever you're producing or doing music, it's not it's not worth the energy and the pain to do unless it's unless it really says something you want to say. And so that that album's very very special to me, for sure. Well, and it's it's real and it's you and it shows that emotion that's in, involved with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So after you started going around and, and got your live album and, and you were able to tour around for a good couple of years before you got noticed by The Voice and was fortunate enough to have all three of the guys kind of turn on right at the, the same exact moment and, and kind of fight for you. And you you went with Team Blake with the, the help of looks like your sisters were kind of pushing on and really wanted you to go that route. So, you know, good for you on doing that with The Voice. You know, a lot of people, when it comes to really any kind of reality TV show, they, they kind of demonize the reality singing shows. And, you know, here on the uh, Simon Cowell is the time, you know, you, you deserve to be on a cruise ship. And, you know, there's these things that they always look down kind of on certain things with it. But you were able to really prove yourself and go out there and do this and, and being self-funded with all that, you know, you, you put your dues in for it. Kind of give more of, of how was it with the show and, and working with Blake and, and really proving you know, that you really are true talent that's out there? That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'd really like to make a point with that, especially if any of your listeners are, are uh, you know, uh, musicians and singers themselves. Um, if you look at anybody's story that is successful in life, you'll see the big moments. Right. And those big moments always involve luck. They just do. You know, like there's always going to be a chance involved. But what you don't see is like, for example, in my career, you're going to see I got a cruise ship gig. Honestly, the fact that somebody quit and I was available and it worked out really well was great. But you didn't see the hours and hours of emails that I did to be available for that opportunity. Right. You didn't see like, you know, I made a, a video. I made a video on the cruise ship 
that is what made me get noticed by a talent producer on The Voice um, that was a cover of a song. But you don't see that I had to make those videos at three in the morning when all the guests were asleep so I could use the cool lounges. And you don't see um, the number of videos that I had put up beforehand, like sit, sitting for hours at like Chinese coffee shops in the Bahamas <laughs> to get it uploaded. You know, you don't see that stuff. Uh, but you see that, oh, she made a video and it got vi- it went viral. And then, you know, you see that somebody turned around on The Voice, right? But you don't see the time and the energy uh, of the entire team that it took to make me good enough for somebody to turn around. You know, so what I'm trying to say is, like, yeah, it was an amazing moment. But the only reason I was able to even come close to accomplishing it or have, you know, the stars line up uh, was because I just... I had been throwing myself out there over and over again. And I can't even... I can't even describe the number of times that I thought, what am I doing? Like, I would put these videos up and I'd get maybe a few hundred views and I'd be like, why am I doing this? Like, it's three in the morning. You'll see in the video that went viral, my hair is kind of messy. It's three in the morning. I'm not really, (laughs) I don't really look that thrilled to be there. But I was like, I said I would do it. I'm just going to do it. So to answer your question, I guess, like the experience of being on The Voice and getting it to work for me. The reason why I was able to capitalize on that show was because I had built all of this work before I hit the voice, right? right? So the second I came on the show, my last album went, I think it hit number eight on the charts um, overnight. So I had already put out this album immediately. It's, it helped me fund my next album immediately because I had done that work. The YouTube videos I'd already put up, all those views, all the subscribers started going up and up and up. All of a sudden, anyone that wanted to find out more about me, I had a whole system set up for them. Like anything you want to find out, I've got it for you. Like I've got everything on here for you to find. I would love to meet you, love to connect with you, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, what it was really gratifying was to know that this whole like two years leading up to The Voice where I was just guessing and just trying to do everything I could possibly think of that I thought I should be doing. It made sense all of a sudden in that instant. And so that's what I want to say. Like, it, it never makes sense until it does. So, like, if anybody's listening to this and you're like, man, I just don't know how to make it. Or, like, I just don't know how to just keep doing it. Like, just keep doing it. And one day, I promise, like, with even a shadow of a doubt, that work will pay off. You just, you've got to keep going for the next opportunity. And that's exactly what happened with me and The Voice. And, and I'm just still really just, man, I feel lucky for that moment. Yeah, no, it's an incredible story. And like you said, your dedication really helped essentially pay off with everything and it shows your true character of of staying true to who you are and and putting that end goal within reach yeah you know i uh it's so funny looking back on my 25 years it's just it seems to me that every moment i have been very uncomfortable like the hardest parts of my life tend to be the ones that i love talking about more than any of the other parts Mm. because because it seems to me that it's the most difficult parts of anybody's life, of my life, that tend to be the most inspiring part of your story for other people, you know? So, like, for any of you listening that's going through, like, one hard time, if you're, like, in college, if you're, like, just working a tough nine-to-five, if you're just whatever you're doing, like, just realize that if you're going through a hard time, even though, like, it might be feel like totally not have any purpose, like this is the story you're going to tell to your kids one day when they're trying to give up on something, you know? I think too, that, you know, that it is uh, those hard times that songwriters have that 
at talent to tap into um tell those stories i know that i put your ep on and if i took and listened to it from top hit the bottom the stories that you tell i had immediately um had thought of like james taylor's like his like storytelling abilities and how like i wanted to hang on and if you hear the stories play out it's amazing how that you can do that and tell a story that will you know um will attract a listener to um be invested in that story well i'm honored that you listened to the whole thing i um i i've always been attracted to country music for that reason uh i love storytelling that's one of the reasons i chose blake as my coach on the voice I, you know, country music is so so known for pushing boundaries. You know, like if you if you think about Johnny Cash, Garth Brooks, Randy Travis, uh, and then now looking at you know Jason Aldean, um, uh, Kelsey Ballerini, all these people that are just pushing the boundaries of country, saying like being rock or pop or whatever. What I love about country is even though we have those feuds inside of our genre. What always ends up winning out every time, is it a good song? You know, that is always the winner. And I, you know, I like pop music as much as the next person. I love, I like a lot of rap music. I like a lot of uh, different stuff. But what I haven't seen any other genre do is always let the song win. Like in a lot of other genres, it seems to be, well, what is the holistic soundtrack? What's the like vibe of the song? Does it make you dance? Well, you know, it's, it's very much about the music as a whole but country music has always been about the lyrics and and so i really appreciate you saying that because uh man it's just it's what made me fall in love with music in the first place it's just it's just having that effect is telling a story and just letting somebody escape for a second and find themselves in words of someone else you know and, and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit less alone that's what music does for me you know well and I, I think keith nailed it is you know not only are you just a singer you are the songwriter you're your own manager you're your booking agent you know you're you're you do it all and and storyteller i think is the perfect word to use for you and the same thing listening to your ep made to live by the water and the greatest things are, are two songs that just they they really hit home and just hearing the words to go with it, it it's incredible and it, it's it's exactly that it's not just a song it's the story being told and the words behind it yeah, both of those songs have a lot of feeling behind them. Like, Made to Live by the Water is the first song on the new album, Wild. Uh, that song, I wrote, it, I was six months into my first contract on Carnival Cruise Lines. It was like, and I, I like I said, I was terrified that they were going to, like, realize I was not professional and kick me off. I really did believe that. Wow. And I was so scared. I didn't go out. I didn't go and, like, party every night like a lot of the other crew members did. I was always just in my room. I annoyed the crap out of my neighbors, and I would just play <laughs> all the time. All the time, I was learning a song. And I, I it wasn't until the last week on the ship where I was standing on Lido deck, everybody's drinking their margaritas, singing along to Jimmy Buffett songs, and, you know, where I just look out on the water, and I'm just like, man, I love this. Like, I love this. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there like, man, 
all this time trying so hard to be this person that I think I'm not. And I don't even realize that I've already turned into that, you know? And I think we do that all the time. Like if you're in college, especially, or if you're, you know, starting out your career, or if even if you're like 10 years into your career about to change, make another step, we're always thinking 10 steps ahead. So that song was just kind of me being like, man, today's a really freaking good day. And I'm just going to like, forget about everything else. Cause today is just great. And I just wrote that song all in one sitting and, and every wow. day, every day I listen to it, it just makes me like totally calm down. And it's like, you know, that's why I love living by the beach in San Diego. I, I love the water. I really yeah. do. It's always been a passion of mine. I'm totally the same way. And that's, I think why I connect with it so much is I see myself so much as a water baby. I love going on cruises cause I love to be on the water. I love to be at the beach. You know, when I'm in the water, there's no getting me out. And it's one mm-hmm. thing being here in Orlando is I'm so close to all of it. And I just, and I said, I, I just had that connection to it. And I, I totally felt Wait. it's, it's like, you feel like that song's for you. Uh, totally. Yeah. And the greatest thing, I love that you like that one. Cause that one, if I was on a label, I can promise you, I would not have been able to record that song. It's not a radio friendly song. And I knew that going in. So I, what I did was on the album is like, I purposefully, I had to pick a lot of, I had to pick the songs that I could afford to make. You know, I couldn't do all the songs I wanted to do. So I, I decided, okay, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put on two of my, my favorite, like fun songs that, that are radio friendly. And then I'm going to construct a conversation after that. And so the greatest thing was like one that I had just finished writing the day before we went into the studio and I walked in and I said, Hey guys, I won't talk to you. I, I think I'm going to ax this song and I'm going to do this one instead. Are you guys like, do you guys think you could come up with something behind it? And these session players in Nashville, I don't know if you've ever like met any of these cats, but they're like, I mean, they could, they could do anything. They're like <laughs> to me. And I, one of the ones I got to work with was a keyboardist, uh, the keyboardist of Grace Potter, which I didn't even know oh, wow. like halfway through the recording session. And I love her, like love her. And you can really hear his influence in the song. I think in that kind of like a, he does a really cool, it's like a B3 organ sound in it. And, and I just fell in love with it. And it's a simple song. It's not super country and it's just, words that like that I had to get you know some songs are written because you're trying to amplify a feeling and they get like bigger and this song was just it needs to come out it was just that simple it just needs to come out and I think anyone that's kind of like for those of you guys that don't know the song it's called the greatest thing and I wrote it uh after an experience of being in a relationship with somebody and I think anyone that's been in a long-term relationship gets this like at some point you take the other for granted it just happens like at some point you just get really busy with life and you take for granted that person will always be there. And what's amazing to me is when you turn around and you realize that they've been standing there and you just haven't been like recognizing them for all they've done. And they've just, they've been by your side no matter what, even when you kind of didn't deserve it. And that's what the song is like that whole new flood of emotion and love. And it doesn't even have to be your significant other. It could be your parents, you know, your sister, your brother that like you haven't talked to in like two months and then something happens and they are there, you know, and that's what, that's what the song is about. And it really was an emotional moment. I, I was, I was definitely crying when I wrote it. It was, it was one of the songs that just like, I just had to wrangle down and, and, and pull it out of me, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And you were saying about, um, annoying, uh, the neighbors on, uh, the cruise ship, um, yeah. I happened to see um, she were doing um, was a Facebook Live the other day. It was just 
at an airport somewhere and you just broke it out, started playing, singing. I just love that it's you're so accessible to your fans and I just wondered like if there was anybody there um who was like, Oh my god, you know, so what is this person doing just like singing her heart out <laughs> in an airport somewhere? <laughs> yeah, it's it's so uh what's cool is there's a beautiful book written by one of my one of my favorite people called Amanda Palmer. She's a very well-known independent artist. Um, she wrote a book called The Art of Asking. And one of the things she talks about in that book is she used to be, she started off her career as a statue artist, like somebody that stands really still and like, wait, like if somebody gives them a tip, she like springs to life, you know? And that's how she started her musical career. And she talks about it in such beautiful terms. It basically says like, whether it's raining whether it's beautiful and sunny out, whether it's cloudy, whether, you know, it's five o'clock, 10 o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, there is a specific percentage of people that, because she made very consistent money doing that and she would do it all different types of days. And she said, there's a consistent number of people that will always stop and appreciate art. And it's yeah. true. Like, and I know that I, usually it's, you know, people that, that, kind of dabble in art themselves or people that, you know, I was music obsessed long before I learned how to play the guitar. Um, so, you know, stuff like that, what I've noticed, like I said, I find the most rewarding moments in my whole life in very uncomfortable situations. So like being on stage, not necessarily the most comfortable situation on the planet. That is where I like totally fulfill my soul because you let yourself be totally vulnerable when somebody comes in and says like, Hey man, I get you. It's a validation that's beyond words, you know. And when I when I will pull out a guitar at, at a at an airport, yeah, it's it's awkward. Like I might I'm singing into my phone with people walking by. Like it's strange. Uh, and I'm talking into my phone, which a lot of times people can't even see because I put it on my backpack. So people can't even see. They look like, it looks like I'm just talking into my backpack. <laughs> um, yeah, I know people don't do don't see that side of the story, but I. Uh, it I definitely looks like, like a little bit crazy, but I do it with a lot of confidence and I don't second guess myself. I don't act like I need someone to tell me like I'm good or bad or whatever. I just say, you know what? I love music and I'm going to play for my fans because I have a couple hours, you know? Yeah. And then what's amazing about those sessions is just like you, you know, people that haven't heard me in a while just happen upon it, you know, because it's live and, and they and they watch it for a little while and they ask for a request and I answer it and it's it's just kind of like a really unique place where I can be like, look guys, like I, I am so grateful for you guys following what I do and letting me do music. I just, I want to give you as much as I can. You know, I just, I, I love playing for people. I love knowing what their favorite songs are. I love people recommending new music to me. So for me, yeah, it's, 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 it's uncomfortable. It's not super easy, but like once I, start seeing those people watching all of a sudden all of those doubts go away and then right. that security is inside of me no matter what i'm doing so like like i said like let yourself out and and humanity will reward you i've, I've never been yeah. so let down by people that i i didn't find someone to turn that around i guess you know that's that's awesome and it shows who the real people are out there. Yeah, just good. There's just so many good people, man. Right. There really is. We just don't hear enough about them. It's the truth. That's that's the truth. 
Like in Baltimore, I was playing a show at the convention center, downtown Baltimore, like noon. And I had my backpack on and my guitar and I was texting on my phone. And these two kids, they couldn't have been more than 12 years old, kind of walk up, snatch my phone and take off running. Wow. I'm like, I ran track. I got this. So I just like dropped my <laughs> I'm going to get my phone. And I think my exact words were, please don't do that. <laughs> but I'm running up and all of a sudden it hits me like my laptop is my backpack. So I was like, ah, I can't chase after these kids. Somebody's going to grab my laptop. That's right. way more. So I turn around, like, super bummed, and then right around the corner, these two, like, big football player-looking, like, guys are walking around the corner with the kids, and uh, they brought them all the way back to me and made, made them give me back my phone. And, and, right, and that's that, awesome. that wasn't enough. Like, there were, like, 17 people, like, five of them called the cops, like, another 17, like, are you okay? Like, are you all right? Like, I mean, it's just... It's so easy to let that 1% of people that are just jerks let you down. But, like, if you don't continuously let yourself out, you close yourself off to that, like, 99% that are just amazing. Like, people talk about the American dream being dead. Like, I started off singing songs to myself in my bedroom. Like, the only reason I have a job is because people just love to see someone doing what they love. I truly believe that. I really do. Nice. Well, as we mentioned at the opening of the show, you are lending your talents to Disney's new nighttime show, Happily Ever After. Let's get a little into the, the Disney side of this. Did you always have a love of Disney or, you know, what's your connection with Disney before this? Well, I've definitely always, I've always been a huge, huge Disney fan. So to me, this is like bigger than The Voice, like me and my whole family. <laughs> I mean, I love The Voice. That was an amazing experience. But like Disney is like, man, that's Disney, you know? And I... uh I got the gig. Like I said, best things in my life have happened when I'm very uncomfortable. I have never been more uncomfortable than trying to get on a ship with a duffel bag and a guitar uh, that I didn't even that I didn't even own really. Um, but the person that hired me for that show or for that gig on the cruise ships ended up leaving Carnival and working for Disney. Oh, cool! Wow. His name's Roger Butterly, and I owe him completely for this he basically called me in and was like hey i want you to cut a demo really quick on something for me and i was like yeah okay it like you know i didn't ask him how much didn't ask him like you know nothing i just said i'm there because i trusted him a lot and i knew that he wouldn't ask me to do it if it wasn't important so i just showed yeah. up i sang these songs uh, i didn't ask questions it was like probably a four hour drive for me it was my only day off in like i think like three weeks but i i really felt like i owed him a lot so i was like anything you want i will do so i just showed up saying left didn't hear from him for a while and then he calls me and uh and he's like hey uh so we would really like you to do a song with jordan fisher for the new fireworks show and i was like wait what and he what? was like yeah. <laughs> They wanted two celebrities for it, but, like, your voice works so well with his that I pitched you, and it turns out everybody loves your voice, too, so you're in. Like, we just need to work out the details. And I was like, oh, this is just, this is just too much. I was, I was like, I was freaking out. I was calling my mom, my girlfriend, my dog, everybody. I was screaming. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was a really, really good day. So, uh, what was it like? to um, record the final song. Um, I'm sure that all of our fans have seen the videos that Disney has uh, has put out there. What was that session like to to stand in there and see um, Jordan stand in there and just, and know that your song was going to be this like amazing spectacle? It was, 
it was amazing. Like I, I didn't know, I didn't, I didn't know Jordan's Fisher name from his, like when I saw his name, but when I realized he, he sang on the Moana soundtrack, I was like, Oh my God, I know that song. Like how crazy is that, <laughs> that, that this voice that you knew all of a sudden is like this person standing in front of you, you know, that was crazy. Uh, and he's so nice. Like he's probably one of the nicest human beings I've ever met. Like really kind. Um, I asked him to sign a DVD for a friend of mine and he was like, more than happy to he was just this nice. really awesome. great guy and gosh can he sing he's so good and uh the coolest part though of the whole thing i mean other than of course it being for disney was the fact <laughs> that i got to i got to sing i got to go inside capitol records you know and it was wow. studio it was yeah it was it was so cool. And I remember I drove up and the guard could just see I was so excited. And he remembered me the second time I came in. He was like, oh, you're back. You made it. And I was like, I know, man, I'm making it. It, was just, um, it just felt like all the employees there were just just as happy. I think it was just I think it's just when you see somebody that's extremely excited, it's very hard not to smile. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. found like everyone true. there was smiling at me because I was just over the moon. So I uh, I drive into the Capitol Records parking lot. And I parked my Prius like next to like I think it was like a Bentley and like a <laughs> like a Rolls Royce, and I just parked my little Prius, my 2009 Prius, in between them. I get out of the car and I'm just like I'm just smiling, goofy, and I just like walk straight in. And it's like right in front of the uh, the uh, uh, like the like the lobby where you walk in. There's a huge desk and there's people standing there, and I just totally don't look like I fit. Like everybody wearing cool, you know California people wear cool clothes. I live there now. I still stand out. <laughs> Like people wear cool stuff. I don't like the kind of stuff that you, if you're going through the clearance rack and you're like, who would wear this? Be like Californian will, and they'll make it look good, you know. And uh, <laughs> and I'm just wearing like you know flannel. I think I wore no the first time I wore like just like a a little spaghetti top and and jeans and boots and just walking in, not looking like I belong, and go straight back. And uh, man, I I I'll keep that video forever. Just walking in, you just. And next to on the walls, you see Frank Sinatra, the Beach Boys. Wow. Just all these people that I have adored. So much history is reeking from the walls. And I get to Studio A and this huge, big room with these beautiful seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollar microphones um, and this enormous board. And everybody's just sitting around. All these. The thing about Disney is like, man, do they it's so much teamwork and you think about something as artistic as a song you think there'd be a little more tension in it you know but in reality like all these guys just wanted the best possible product like the standard these guys have is just so admirable to me like they they would just they they were committed to getting an amazing thing like to to a lot of these guys sitting around the room that were like heavyweights at disney this is the, one of the biggest things they've done. Like, and these are people that have opened parks in China and Japan and all these places. And you're like, this is like Magic Kingdom. This is like where Disney started. This is going to be going for 14 years. This is their legacy. So these are all people that are just as passionate about Disney as me. And I just feel like this small little thing and this enormous project that's that's been recorded literally all around the world. And now it's getting to me. And now I'm like, I just need to cut these vocals, you know? And so that, to me, just getting to record at Capitol Records and just have this, I don't, I will never in my entire career, regardless of how successful it is, will work with a more talented team than I did that day. I mean, the amount of people that went into this project is just mind-blowing. Like, every person on the orchestra, every single one of them has trained their whole lives 
to be as good as they are. Like wow. this, this whole project is unreal. Like it's unreal how how big Disney goes when they want to do something right. That just gives me chills just thinking about the whole yeah, thing. Crazy. Now, without giving any spoilers, if if you've seen it, have you seen the final show? And and what was your reaction if you did? I saw a mock-up on a computer, and I'm telling you guys, this is unlike anything that's ever been done before. Like, the 3D mapping that they're doing is so amazing. Like, it just... Technology never ceases to blow my mind. Like they have totally, because they like they know this has to last 10, 10, 14 years. So they're like, we need the latest stuff, right. and they did that. Like what you you're not going to be able to expect what you see at that show. Like it is just, it's gonna be, it's gonna blow your mind. Like I don't care who you are, like you will be impressed. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> awesome. Have you um been to the parks a lot? Um, is it something being in California, San Diego is you know. It's not uh, right next door, but um, is it something that you frequent the parks a lot? I'm a a Disney pass holder, of course. Nice. Yeah, I've been for a while. And um, when I was a kid in El Salvador, my my parents would take us to Disney like every other summer. Oh, cool. And we would like, we would get, we would plan our whole, like we would be so excited all year to count down to that day. It's like, the thing about Disney is like, this is why, you know, I've been trying to put into words why I like Disney so much because I, I, part of me doesn't even understand it. Like, and I realize, like, you know, everywhere you go, especially as a kid, people are telling you, like, you say, you know, why is the sky blue? Be like, well, here's the answer. Why is, why do I have to go to school? Well, here's the answer. Why do I have to um, act a certain way? Well, here's the answer, you know? But then you get to Disney and it's like, every rule that you ever had before just went out the window. Like mm. there are people talk, there's grown adults talking about magic. There's like, um, just people talking about the impossible. There's rides that make you like feel things that aren't like from not real things. Like you, you go through like, you know, for example, like pirates of the Caribbean and you're just in a different world and you're sitting there and be like, this is just like, this is created just for me to smile. Like, how weird is that? You know, it's, it's, it's nothing like anything else there is in the world. And what's amazing about it, one of the reasons I think it impacted me as a child was because when you encourage kids and adults both to throw out the rules and create their own spaces in their mind, that's when phenomenal, amazing, magical things happen. And like when I threw out the rules of what I thought I was supposed to be and what I thought uh, was success and what I thought wasn't, when I just threw all that out and said, what makes me feel good and what what makes me feel like I'm doing something for for this time that I have on earth? And, and when I threw that out and just let that guide me, just let the way I feel and the experiences that I felt guide me, I have never been happier in my entire life so i think i think that's the magic of disney and that's that's going to be the magic of this whole fireworks show is because the whole song the whole song revolves around finding your happily ever after and it's just beautifully written and and i mean i just i just i cannot wait until may 12. <laughs> i'll say two weeks away i'm i'm sitting in my bedroom right now i actually hear wishes the finale going as we're recording this right now and it's to oh, think cool. it just two weeks from right now i'm going to be able to go and and actually hear you in the park and it's just it's so surreal because like you said it's knowing what the show is about is going to be something that it's it's going to touch everyone oh yeah oh yeah time always have to rub that in scott don't you i do (laughs) i'm stuck in ohio and you're like yeah i can hear wishes out my window great right now as it's going wish the microphone thanks buddy (laughs) thanks just 
You're welcome. Love you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> is there, which I'm sure that, you know, this is a hard question, but is there one Disney song that it stands out for you over, um, I mean, you know, there's like hundreds of songs that touch us from, you know, the films and the parks and everything, but is there like one song? The entire Mulan soundtrack was like a prominent part of my childhood. Like, I could tell you every word that was spoken in that movie, much less like sing you every song. Like, let's get down to business to defeat the hunt. Me and my sisters, like, we all love that. That whole movie was like, because I remember I grew up kind of like in a... El Salvador is a little bit more traditional when it comes to, like, male and female roles. So that movie was, like, very different. It was very much like, ooh, here's this, like, cool, strong young woman that's going to go fight a war. You know, you didn't see that. Like, there was no women fighting for anything in, in, in those days. Like, there just wasn't. Like, Disney was, that Mulan was the first kids movie with a strong female character that was doing kind of masculine things like she was go and she did it for her family so that right. whole that whole idea that whole movie was just i think it was i think it was i think every once in a while there is a piece of art whether it be like movies songs whatever that truly leads the way in a culture shift and i think mulan mulan was far ahead of its time with that I think that it was just a really, I think there's no one that could sit down, male or female, that wouldn't just enjoy that story. And I, I just thought that's how you know something's great, when it's changing and polarizing, but at the same time, everyone is it's accessible to everyone. And, and that's that was it was a great movie. Yeah, um, I think the same thing about Brave and Merida, and, and even with the uh, um, Star Wars films now, you're seeing a lot more like of those strong um, like female characters and it's it's nice to see that the fandom has encompassed everybody now and it's very um, inclusive to everybody yeah that is that it's it's very Disney to uh, it's so crazy because it's kind of honestly when you when you're on the inside it does kind of feel like a conservative company because they are so protective of their brand. Right. But then sticking a step back, it's like, that's why Disney is what Disney is. Like, and it's important. I feel like that's a good way to model your life, too. You know, like, it's it's important to take risks based on your values. But it's also important to always be you and, and never, never try to be what you think it, everyone thinks is right. Like, truly. And I think that's what Disney always does. Like, they don't want, they don't want to lose sight of everything they've been for the past, like, how long have they been around? I guess like almost a hundred years. Yeah. yeah. No, no, like fifty years, right? Well, Disneyland oh. itself opened in in the fifties. Wow. But the so Disney Company is eighty years, ninety years. Yeah, and and just what's amazing about it is you can, it's what every songwriter wants. You know, you want to like Kenny Chesney, for example, is one of my favorite musicians, and he. He recreates himself in every album, but I would never listen to any one of his songs and not think, oh, that's Kenny. You know, he's not trying to be anything else. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things anyone could ever do. Because I got to say, like, I think in high school, I was feel like I was like 10 different people at the same time. You know, it takes it takes a lot of time and energy to figure out what's the thing that that you come back to, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's exactly that. Just how you said Kenny is you are who you are and you're not trying to be someone else even if you're trying to you know find 
a different part of you and everything else, you're still you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before we wrap this up, we always ask all of our guests that come on the same five questions in our Tiki Lightning Round. Okay. And being that you are a Disney annual pass holder and everything and, and have been plenty of times, these should be pretty easy for you. So five questions, real easy for you. First question, what is your favorite Disney snack? Uh, the Mickey Mouse ice cream. Nice. Always Every nice. time. Or a churro. It's either one. California churro. Yes, I'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> favorite Disney attraction? I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I love that ride. Your favorite Disney character? Mulan. I thought so. <laughs> and I'm going to guess the answer to this one. Favorite yeah. Disney movie? Mulan. <laughs> I do. I would I would watch it tomorrow and enjoy it just as much as when I was a kid. It's right. a good movie. <laughs> and last question, your favorite Disney park memory? You know, I remember going to Disney for the first time in a while with my girlfriend. And it was just one of those days where I was just feeling so tired a few hours for the fireworks show, but we wanted to stay for the fireworks show. So we're just, you know, legs are kind of cramping up and you're just like, you know, tired. <laughs> And uh, when you make it to the fireworks show, we're kind of in the back. We're just looking up at these amazing fireworks. And I just stop and I turn around and I, I see my girlfriend, Marissa, and just like her star is like, like just like, the fireworks is lighting up her eyes. And then, and then I look around and I just see these families uh, that, with all these kids that just like all looking up, everybody's just looking up with these fireworks in their eyes, you know? And, and you could there's just glow, you know? And I just thought like, man, my parents stood with me here and watched me feel like inspired by this. And then now I'm standing here, you know, with somebody I love watching these things. And now like I look around and I'm like, one day I'm going to be standing here with my kids watching, like looking up and watching this. And I was like, what other situation, you know, do you really have, you know, thousands of people just in awe and looking up and it's just like, man, that was a really cool moment for me. And and it was so funny to me that, like, it was only, I guess, like a, a year or two years after that that I got I got this gig. So, yeah, I would say that's probably one of my favorite moments to look back on. That's awesome. Yeah, that is cool. That's actually yeah. very similar to when, before coming as a host of the show, when I was a guest, my favorite memory was almost identical to that. And it's it's seeing Disney through the eyes of a loved one. And yeah. same thing, yeah. you know, I know how my parents was and then seeing it in my son when he was nine year old and having the fireworks and, and the Christmas lights, everything reflecting his eyes. It's, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So I'm, I, that's awesome to hear it from someone else as well now. No, that's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm telling you, man, Disney, they know what they're doing. Like there's a good heart inside of them. And I just, I'm so proud to even have my name associated with that, with, with that word, you know, it's right. just, it's all meant good things to me. So with the new show starting in a couple of weeks, are, is Disney bringing you down or do you have plans to come down and, and see it for the first time? Yeah, so we haven't announced this yet because we're still confirming details, but we, me and Jordan uh, should be performing at the park before the end of next month. Awesome. Uh, wow. we're, yeah, we're working out the details, so fingers crossed it works out. I already have it blocked off my calendar, so I think I'm going to come either way. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, we're just waiting to find out if it's if it's for sure for sure gonna happen. So that's exciting. That's awesome. Well, even if you still come, I'm, I'm gonna have to come and and see you perform there. I would love that. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. And, and before you go, you know, plug your EP, your social media, anything that you want to put out there about yourself for our listeners. Yeah, I uh, I check every single message. It takes me usually a week sometimes for my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter messages. But I always read them. I always respond. Uh, my name, Angie Kilhauer. If you get Angie K-E-I on any social media platform, you'll find me. Um, I uh, I would love to hear from you. Like, honestly, I would just I would really enjoy hearing from you and knowing where you're from, what your favorite music is, whatever you want to share with me. Uh, love a conversation. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being here. This was an honor for us, and yeah. and uh, um, I hope that our fans, the ones that don't um, know you, um, will uh, will search you out um, because you're you know an inspirational person and amazing talent. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It's always fun to talk to fellow Disney fanatics like myself. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll run into you guys at the parks one of these days. <laughs> hope so. That'd be awesome. Yep. All right, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, first, we want to thank our sponsors, Kingdom Strollers. Kingdom Strollers provides premium stroller and crib rentals delivered straight to your Disney resort. For more information, please visit KingdomStrollers.com. Check out Mickey Monthly to have magic from the parks delivered straight to your door. Visit MickeyMonthly.com for more information. Also, head over to MyFantasyBands.com where you can get customized magic band covers for your next Walt Disney World vacation. You can use the code ENCHANTEDTIKITALK20 to save 20% off your custom order at MyFantasyBands.com. Be sure to let us know what you thought about the show. Head over to EnchantedTikiTalk.com or Facebook.com slash EnchantedTikiTalk.com to leave a comment about the show. You may email us at podcast at EnchantedTikiTalk.com and leave us a message on the Tiki Talk hotline, which is 256-4MY-TIKI. That's 256-469-8454. Check out our store at RedBubble.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TikiTalkPodcast. Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's one M I N Disney Dream. MouseWorldVacations.com and MousePros.com. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dole Daily. And check out Main Street Cards on Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Campbell and on Instagram at Scotty Boy. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at mholly five seven nine. And with all that being said, Alan, it's all you, my buddy. Thanks for listening this week for Sean and Keith and Matt. I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha. Enchanted Tiki Talk has been brought to you by MousePros.com. Log on to MousePros.com to plan your perfect Disney vacation. And Mickey Monthly, where you can get the park sent directly to you. And by Kingdom Strollers. Visit KingdomStrollers.com on your next visit to Orlando. Or call 407-271-5301 for premium stroller and crib rentals. Thanks for listening to Enchanted Tiki Talk.